Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, just one guest lined up for you today. A guest, if you can call him that, our good friend Salmanine. He's probably will join listening us at and is very offended by this. Well, he's more of a friend, colleague, former colleague. I guess he's still a colleague. He's still in the business. He's a guest. He's working for somebody else now. He's going to inform us and enlighten us, maybe, on Guest the, sounds the so formal. I mean, he's he's Sal. Like he's <laughs> Sal's coming on in about a half hour. He said he was only going to come on again if and when the Rockets made the NBA Finals. He didn't say if. He said when. when You're you... right. And I said, well, we might not have you on again. We wanted to have him on again, and... This is our last chance, well, Thursday or Friday, before the series is going to be over, right? The series wraps up Monday night. We don't have a show on Monday because of Memorial Day. So it's our last chance to get to Sal before the series is over. So we're going to have him on today at 1230, 1235, somewhere in there, uh, to talk some NBA playoffs. And, And that's where we begin today. And we'll get to... Uh, you know, the, the national anthem stuff in, in the NFL. There is a, a college basketball item I want to get to, not related to Tyus Battle, but we begin with the NBA and this narrative that has played itself out throughout the entire playoffs played itself out again last night. When LeBron gets help, they win, and when LeBron doesn't get help, they lose. And it's simple as that. And last night, LeBron James scored more points than the other four starters combined. I don't know if that's the surprising part, that it happened in arguably the biggest game of the season to this point, with the series tied 2-2 in Boston, or maybe the more surprising part is the fact that that is the fourth time that it has happened this postseason. No, it's the second part. That's the more surprising part, that it has now happened four times where he has outscored the rest of his starters combined. He got no help. Uh, I thought at times he looked disinterested, maybe because he wasn't getting I think he's any help. Worn down. I think he looked he looked dead he last did. night. And and he looked I don't know if disinterested is the right word or can I say he just looked frustrated? Sure. Like, come on. Like somebody's gotta help me out here. And who Throws could blame passes him? passes off Jeff Green's hands. Who could blame him? And and LeBron was he made some uncharacteristic mistakes last night. He turned the ball over more than he normally does. He seemed gassed. There's no doubt about it. But who could blame him? I mean, he's been carrying this team literally on his back for three playoff series. And you get to the point where it's two two, you feel like the series was on the line last night, at least for Boston. Like if if Cleveland wins that game, Celtics have been so bad on the road in the postseason, one and six on the road in these playoffs. You had to feel like if you're Cleveland, if you win Game 5 in Boston, you're going to win the series. Yeah. And Boston didn't even play all that well. And they let him off the hook because nobody gave LeBron any help. Boston didn't play all that well. Can I can I note one thing that I think is hilarious about sure. Boston? A stat that somebody said at the end of the game last night. Uh, Boston becomes the first team in NBA history to win their first 10 home playoff games in a season. 
Like, that's so misleading because, in theory, the Warriors would have done that last year, except they were good enough they to end 10. series before <laughs> it came back. Right. Like, they only played eight home games because they were that good. You know, so I, I would think that most teams that would be able to do that were good enough to end their series on the road. Uh, but, okay, I, I'm done with that point. Uh, you know, you, you look at uh, what happened last night. The Celtics weren't very good. They didn't shoot very well. They only shot 36% from the field. They they only scored in the mid-90s. Like that, that was a very winnable game for the Cavaliers. And if LeBron James got any help from anybody else and, and got any kind of scoring, and Kevin Love gave him 14, and that was the next leading scorer, you have to imagine they win. And I sat there watching last night, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were about this, this that I'm about to say. I sat there sitting last night watching the game, saying, man, Kyle Corver needs to be on the floor more. Which, I can't imagine that I could. I, I ever thought I would be saying that ever, let alone in May of 2018. But I was like, man, Kyle Corver's got to play more. And he's been the one guy this postseason that seems to like steadily kind of sort of be there. And you know what you're going to get out of him. And yeah, he might not play very good defense, but he'll knock down some threes. And it felt like last night they needed that. They 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 needed him. And you got a little bit more out of Jordan Clarkson than you had. You got a little bit more out of Larry Nance than you had. You, you felt like you needed that little bit more, though. And, and Kyle Korver has been giving that to you over the first four games of the series. Well, you needed more than just a little bit. You needed a lot of bit. And Kyle Korver's a guy who can, can make shots. And when you look at the, the scoring and how he was distributed last night, I mentioned that LeBron had more than the other four starters combined. Kevin Love was the only other guy in double figures, and he got off to a fast start, and then he did nothing after right. that. And Boston had five guys in double figures. Kyle Korver's a guy who can he can make some shots and and he can chip in, especially when the other starters are 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 not playing well. I mean, J.R. Smith was one for six from the field, zero for four from three point range, and and that's Korver's specialty. Did you see after the game? I don't know if this is the reason you brought it up. Did you see Ty Lue said that he kind of got away from his rotations by accident? No, that he, I did not. See he that. said after the game he forgot to put Kyle Korver in the game more. Is essentially what he said. That I, mean, I he said he got sidetracked with his rotations. That's on him. And the one guy he specifically said was, "I should have played Kyle Korver more." And it, that's on me. I kind of got lost with what we were doing. That can't happen no. in Game Five of the Eastern Conference Finals with everything on the line. That the coach can't forget when to substitute and who to substitute. I mean, that seems like a very basic thing that needs to go right in order to win a game. So not only did LeBron get no help. From his teammates, LeBron got no help from his head coach, who, again, I, I give him some credit for, for pointing that out and putting it on himself, but you're right. You said, did I get the same feeling? Yes. And Ty Lue got the same feeling as well. He only played 19 minutes, and especially when the other guys, the other guards on the floor are not making shots, he needs to play more because that's one thing he can do is make shots. Yeah, he had to be on the floor, and you know, uh, he- hearing that about Ty Lue, like, I-, I already didn't think he was a very good coach, and... I think he's gotten thoroughly outcoached in in this series by by Brad Stevens. I mean that doesn't change my opinion. <laughs> you know, it doesn't change my it opinion adds that to he's it. not a, that he's not a very good coach. Like, congratulations, you made the finals back to back years with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. Congratulations. You and I might have been able to make the finals with that team running through the Eastern Conference that they did. Uh, you know, it, it it doesn't, to me, jump out and say, great coach. Uh, so I, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Ty Lue isn't helping him, his guys out. 
you know, maybe Larry Nance should be playing more than he has. You know, he looked pretty good last night, and he's been something when he's played that uh, has given Boston some trouble. Like, that might be able to help you a little bit more than 26 more minutes out of Tristan Thompson, who's not doing anything. So I don't I don't really know why they aren't getting— I mean, I, I know why they aren't getting help. These guys aren't that good, but— it seems like they, they've got pieces that they aren't using right, right? It, it seems like Ty Lue's not putting them in position to help out LeBron. Well, and part of the, the thing that, that bothers me about this team is how they play like they did last night in Boston, and then they go home to Cleveland, and we saw in the two games in Cleveland, I, I don't know if it's because they're comfortable or they're energized by the crowd or whatever it may role be. Role players play better role, at home. Well, I get that, but isn't this a little ridiculous to go from... LeBron outscoring everyone by himself to you go home and now all of a sudden you know you're you're getting you know multiple guys in double figures and and, and all is well in the didn't world. happen with Boston though I understand listen, I mean Terry but Rozier but, and Marcus Smart young, didn't play well but, but on the road yes but they're very young they are and you may say that's an excuse but they are extremely young and this is uncharted territory for a lot of these guys and they're all role players it's not for Cleveland it's not for J.R. Smith how many big games has J.R. Smith played in how many big games has Kevin Love played in how many big games as Tristan Thompson played in. The fact that when they're on the road, at least in this series, they've been dreadful. They go back home and they light the world on fire. Like again, if I'm LeBron and and to me, like this postseason is about more than just this postseason. Like if is. I'm LeBron, I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to sign up for this again? No. He of played course all 82 games. He has he's having you could make the case and I you you may like jump down my throat for this. You could make the case he's having the the best year of his career. Sure. And, I, can, I can see that, and yeah. It, and most likely, well, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say most likely. There is a good chance He's that, not the, gonna make the finals. that the best year of his career will end short of the NBA Finals. What does that say about a supporting cast? And what does that say about whether or not he wants to sign up for this again next well, year? Well, it says that, that 10 months ago they shouldn't have freaked out and traded Kyrie Irving. Is is ultimately what it says, well, right? It sounds like, like Kyrie they, wasn't going to play. Okay. You, you either trade me or I'm going to have surgery. Either way, I'm not playing. I call, I call your I, I call your bluff. I, I call it. And you know what? You'll have surgery and you'll come back in in February. Okay, fine. Because he finally had the surgery, right? He had the surgery in March, and he's going to be back by the start of next season. So fine, have your surgery in August. I will take you back in February, and I will deal with it. And if you're if you're mad at us, deal with it. You're under contract for two more years. Uh, like I. I think that they freaked out. I think that they panicked. I would have held on to him and at least tried one more run with him. Don't you think LeBron had something to do with that? They're not trading Kyrie without LeBron's blessing. So don't you think think LeBron was like, this punk thinks that you know he's the point guard and and I need to you know give him the ball more. And I mean, he's LeBron, so I I have to think there was. Some would, sort look, of power struggle there. LeBron was like, yeah, either either Lebr- it was LeBron's idea. I mean, it sounds like it was Kyrie's idea, but it was either right. LeBron saying, yes, trade him, or at the very least, you know that they asked for his blessing and he said, fine. Sure, but haven't we also seen that other teams that are maybe more functional, certainly, than the Cavaliers were last summer, have dealt with this in better ways? And and I know that the Cavaliers were going through a lot, and they fired their GM, and they, they were bringing new people in, and you didn't know who was going to end up being the GM, and it ultimately ended up being the guy who was in the building, right? They ultimately settled on the guy who was right there. So maybe he could have figured this out, but at that point he was the interim. So couldn't couldn't you argue that franchises that are, are more functional, and I, I will use this example because it happened last summer, the San Antonio Spurs can deal with this. LaMarcus Aldridge goes to Greg Popovich and says, 
I hate this. I hate what we're doing here. It doesn't work. Get me out. Pop sits him down, says, how about no? How, how about you stay? You're under contract. And not only are you under contract, here's an extension that we're going to give you. How about you stay? We'll make it work. Here's why it'll work. You know, Tim Duncan's gone. Tony Parker's on his way out. Manny Ginobili's on his way out. Uh, and, and you're the guy. You and Kawhi are, are the guys on this team. Like, you don't have to worry anymore. And it worked. And LaMarcus Aldridge was fantastic this year. And he got a contract extension. And he's staying in San Antonio. So can't you argue that a more functional franchise would have sat Kyrie Irving down and said, Hey, look at what we've done. Three finals in a row. You won us that championship. You got us that ring. Look at what we were without you the year before, and then you got us that ring. Let's run it back again. Let's see how we can make this team better. Stay with us. And the fact that they didn't do that, they flipped him, and then they flipped everything they got for him except for the pick in the in the upcoming draft that's going to be a top 10 pick, it, it, it it's led to this. Right, it, it, You can trace every problem the Cavaliers are having right now back to trading away Kyrie Irving. And, and to play devil's advocate, what I would say in response to that is, first of all, I don't disagree with anything you're saying about LaMarcus Aldridge. It'll be interesting to see how they handle the Kawhi Leonard thing this summer. That's, I think they're going to do the same thing. Maybe. I, I, mean, I think they're going to sit him down. I think they're going to say, hey, let's, let's have you come back. And if you do come back and you play good soldier, you've got $200 million on the table. Because they That's can. hard to walk away from. Yes. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, that that relationship seems like it's unrepairable at this point, at least in, in my opinion. And it, and it seems like it's it's further down the wrong path than the Lamarcus Aldridge thing. But that's yeah. that's a topic for another day. So I don't disagree with anything you're saying about Lamarcus Aldridge. But to me, you know, you keep saying they, as in like the the Cavs in the front office. That's why I say I I feel like LeBron had a hand in this because. They all knew the situation of when LeBron could leave town, and it feels like, I don't even know if it feels like, it's just fact, right, that LeBron gets what he wants there in terms of personnel decisions. So I have to believe that LeBron said, all right, you're going to complain, Kyrie, you're going you're gonna to pout, you're going to act like a, you know, a brat? Fine, we will win without you. Go to the Celtics and we will win without you. Not only will we win without you, we will beat you. Right. Because because he knew trading him to an Eastern Conference team, that's going to be the team you meet. Right. So we will win without you. You want to go win championships? Fine. Well, you know what? In order to do that, you got to get through me. And so I, I feel like, you know, I'm a LeBron guy. You know that. You know I, you know, defend him and, I, you know, praise him for, for everything that he accomplishes. And it's, I mean, he is, he's an all-time great player, obviously. I think this this particular thing might be on him that, that, that you're pointing sure. to and saying, you know, well, that you could trace it back to the Kyrie trade because I, I have to think he had at least a hand in it and most likely had a big hand in it. Sure. And, you know, I, I bring up the, the stuff from, from last summer because I, I, I was listening recently to David Griffin, their former GM, on, on uh, I want to say it was on either Bill Simmons or, or Woj's podcast. And, and he's been making the rounds. He's really good at doing this stuff and, and obviously has great insight into the Cavaliers. And he kind of said the same thing. He was like, you know, maybe if I wasn't fired and, and I had a pretty good relationship with Kyrie, like I could have sat him down and been like, hey, let's calm this down. So, yeah, I, I don't think it was out of the realm of possibility that had they been a little bit more functional, they, they could have figured things out. You know, I, yeah, I, I think LeBron does have a hand in it. They signed Dwayne Wade. Like, I, I think LeBron does have a big hand in personnel agreements. They gave J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson humongous contracts. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron was like, sure, go 
Go ahead. See see what you can do. Do you think it's, any other team would love J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson the way the Cavs no, love J.R. Smith and Tristan no, Thompson? No. Tristan Thompson, 1.6 rebounds last night. J.R. Smith, two points. One assist, no rebounds. That, that's what you got out of those two. You got three points out of J.R. Smith you know the, and Tristan Thompson. You know the Thompson funny part night. about what you just said? You said 1.6 rebounds, and I, and I thought you were saying he got 1.6 oh. rebounds. <laughs> and I, I was very confused for a split second. One point. One point. And like a, a, six Like a rebounds. single free throw. He made throw. a free yes. throw, and he got six <laughs> rebounds. Sorry, I should rephrase that. <laughs> it was funny. I, I looked at the box score, and I'm like, when did Tristan Thompson shoot a three? And then I was like, oh, right. He heaved up like three-quarter court. That doesn't really count <laughs> counts in the box score it does uh, uh, but look, I, I mean yeah lebron's got his fingerprints all over it but I, I think that you could trace the problems they're having in this series you know to, to get back to the larger point here where jr's not playing well and george hill is giving you nothing and uh jordan clarkson and larry nance and jose calderon are, are on your roster like the, the problem goes back to you traded kyrie irving for nothing it turned right. out to be nothing. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, it turned out to be a lot of nothing. And and you flipped it, and you flipped the nothing for more nothing. There's another reason that Jalen Rose says the Celtics won last night and are in good shape to win this series. We're going to take our first time out. We'll get to that next. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. Orange Nation just getting started. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. I mentioned at the top of the show that I wanted to get to a college basketball-related item, and it has nothing to do with Tyus Battle. Let's do is that it, here. Is it the FBI guy who gambled away all his FBI money instead of investigating college basketball? Because that's pretty funny, too. That was not what I wanted to get to. Would you like to get no, something off your chest No, here? that's about all I know about it. I didn't read the article. I just that's I saw the headline, and that sounds... Uh, that that sounds. Look, send a guy to Vegas and that's see what kinda, happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, it does have to do with the FBI probe in a roundabout way. It has to do with Brian Bowen. We all remember Brian Bowen, right? The recruit that was sure. committed to Louisville that got Rick Pitino fired. That was, that was the easiest recruit uh, Rick Pitino ever got. Yeah, he didn't fell have to in pay, his lap. Didn't have to pay a dime for him. He said fell in his lap. So you all know the story. Brian Bowen's father received. $19,500 from Adidas. Brian Bowen denies having any knowledge of it. And oh, by the way, the FBI has no evidence that he knew anything about it. It sounds like, again, from what they have, it was Brian Bowen dealing with some shady characters. Uh, Brian Bowen's father, rather. Sure. Dealing with some shady characters, received almost $20,000, and his son committed to Louisville. That was it. Nineteen thousand five hundred. It was, it was going right. to be installments. Sure, uh, they, right, but right. they only got one installment. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be a thousand, a hundred. It was supposed to be right. installments, right? And that that's was why, that was part of it, right? I, it that's was, why I was like thrown off. Yes, uh, you know our 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 money hasn't come yet. You remember the the right. parents right, apparently right, 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 contacted right. Louisville and said, "Where's our money?" Yes. And then, okay, here's your first installment, and then things uh, went poorly from there. Uh, Brian Bowen denies knowing anything about this, but we know what has happened to him. He got suspended last fall. He was never allowed to play for Louisville. He remained on the sidelines, then he transferred to South Carolina for the second semester. He sat out, practiced with the team at South Carolina, obviously did not play, was never cleared by the NCAA. So he puts his name into the NBA draft, not knowing whether or not he's going to be eligible. 
Seth, we are six days away from the NBA deadline right. that the NCAA has. This is yes. the NCAA's deadline about whether or not he's going to stay in the draft. He does not have an agent. He still does not know if he is eligible or will ever be eligible to play college basketball. So he goes to the combine. He fails miserably. He's there was terrible. one NBA right. scout, unnamed NBA scout, who said he is not even good enough to play in the G League right now. Some of this is his fault. He was said to be very much out of shape at the Combine, so that's on him. Right. He's very rusty, which is not on him in that he hasn't played a game in two years. His last game was a high school game. He's been scrimmaging, yes, and working out, yes, but rusty in the five-on-five setting. And again, you can you can understand that. Okay, so that's not his fault. The being out of shape is his fault. Absolutely. And maybe the not being as good as other guys, that's not necessarily his fault either because he hasn't been able to, to work on his craft in that way for the last two years. Hasn't played a game in two years. I need to repeat, they are six days away, Seth, right. from the NCAA yeah. deadline, and the NCAA has not gotten back to this kid this is insane. about whether or not he's going to be eligible. South Carolina's athletic director yesterday did an interview in which he said, quote, I am not optimistic that we will have the information we need by the deadline. That's Ray Tanner, the South Carolina athletic director. So they are under the assumption that they are going to have to make this decision, they meaning Brian Bowen and his family, they are going to have to make this decision without knowing knowing if he will ever be allowed to play college basketball. Now, I have a lot of problems with this, but the number one problem I have with this is that the NCAA talks all about the fairness to the athlete, and about they they put the athlete's needs first. We know that's a a, a whole bunch of crap. If that was the case... At the very least, this kid should get a thumbs up or thumbs down about whether or not he's ever going to be eligible. And if he's not, you know what? He 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 goes and he goes undrafted. He's he's almost certainly going to go undrafted if he stays in the draft. And then he figures it out from there. He either signs with a team as an undrafted free agent, goes to the G League, or, or goes overseas. What does he do? You you know we talked about this a little before the show, and I, and I think that we you came across the best solution for him, and the best solution for him is to go to South Carolina. It is to withdraw from the draft. It is to go to South Carolina and hope, hope that you're eligible. And you know what? If you're not, then you go to the G League. We saw P.J. Hairston went midseason, left UNC, went to the G League, right? So like it, it can happen. Or you leave midseason, you go overseas, like what the Ball, Twins, uh, Ball Brothers did. So I, I think that that's the best option. The best option really is for the NCAA to just do something. Right, like for for them to grow a spine and and do something here and and take some kind of action and make some kind of a decision, which clearly they're not doing, and and it doesn't seem like they are going to do, which is the real problem. Like they've got to figure this out in the next six days, in my mind. Ultimately, for Brian Bowen, the best thing for him would be to go to South Carolina and figure it out from there. They have known about this since September, and I know that the NCAA works slowly, and everyone in Syracuse knows just how slowly the NCAA works. Well, but they're waiting for the FBI on this. They're not even trying to do anything. But my, my point is this, though. Why, why did they have to wait on the FBI? The facts are not going to change, right? They have the facts of the situation. The facts of the situation are the father accepted money, the family has paid back the money, Brian Bowen has said he didn't know anything about it. Now, whether or not you believe him, that's a whole other topic. But there is no proof that he knew. Apparently, his relationship with his father is estranged, and they they don't get along. So is it 
plausible that maybe his dad and, and his parents acted on their own sure. and sought some money and said, you know what, son, you're going here. Again, it might be hard to believe that he, he knew nothing about it, but he says he didn't. And the family repaid the money. So nothing's going to change. And and honestly, Seth, like if the NCAA looks at those facts and says, you know what, they accepted money and we don't believe him. He's ineligible. At least just say, just like you're, say doing, that. you're helping the right. kid out in, in one regard in that at least he knows. And, right. and and he can move forward with his future. I think we're on the same page here. He deserves an answer either way. He deserves an answer either way. I can't imagine the facts are going to change. The no. facts are the facts. They no. know the situation. And I know they work slowly, but this is a time-sensitive issue that he needs to know in the next six days yes. what his future holds with the NCAA. Yes, he needs to know in the next six days. They need to work faster. We know they work slowly, and we also know that in this case, they are not investigating it. They are actively not investigating it, right? They are waiting on the FBI to do all the investigation, uh, the investigative work for them. Right, it's it's the same thing they did with Penn State. They didn't do the they didn't do the work. They they waited for for the former FBI director Lewis Free to do all the work, and then they just said, "Ah, well, that's got that's got to be what happened." Right? They they've done this before. They're waiting on somebody else to put the time and the resources and the money into it, and then they're just gonna say, "Yeah, sure, that's what happened," and they're gonna take it as word and they're gonna take it as gospel and they're gonna move on. And is that the right thing to do? I don't know. But in this case, in, in this kind of a time-sensitive issue, when you know that something like this is going to happen, and, and you could have seen this coming from miles and months away, you should have been doing a little bit more digging. Here's the, the ironic thing about this, this whole situation. Why did the NCAA change the rule about whether or not the prospects could go to the draft combine two years ago? What was the reason? So that they can get a better read on their situation. Get you know, gather all the right. feedback, get as much information as possible to make a well informed decision. Fast forward two years, this kid is trying to gather all of the information possible. The the information he's getting back from the NBA is, dude, you're not ready. And Except he doesn't the have NCAA the information from that. Is the yeah. one that is not giving the, the information, withholding the information. And again, it's not like this situation is going to change. It is what it is. Just decide. Is the kid ever going to be able to play or not? And if the answer is no, like I said, I can't necessarily argue with the NCAA. Like what his family did, and right. he's guilty by association, like that is very much against the rules. Say what you will about the rules, the rules that are in place, what they did that is very much rules. against the yes. rules. So if the NCAA says, you know what, we can't look past that, they cheated, they accepted $20,000 and more was on the way, and we can't allow this kid to play. It right. sets a bad That's precedent. Fine. Okay, I would be all right with that. Fine. Like, I understand. Yeah. I get it. They broke the rules, but just tell him one way or right. the other. Like it, you can Look, you can be like me and say, hey, it's stupid that you've got this rule that this kid can't make money off of himself. And also say, well, that's the rule. Like, okay, fine, he can't play. But to just not say anything is is ridiculous. To just not to just leave him hanging is absurd. To just leave him out there on a whim, uh, you know, not knowing what his future is, is a bit ridiculous. It's it's a bit too much. And you know, to your point, you you mentioned the scout who says he's not even good enough to play in the G League right now, and it's just like. I don't know what his future is, and is $20,000 or $19,500 going to hold him up from actually doing anything, right? Like, ultimately, is that going to—would would he have been good enough to play in the NBA? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not, right? But if he plays four years at college, he's going to go play somewhere. And he's going to get a degree. And he's going to get it—right, but— but, you know, the, the point being, he's going to get a degree and he's going to go play somewhere. He's going to have 
it, scholarship players who are on scholarship for four years have opportunities to go play somewhere, G League, overseas, somewhere. So, like, is he going to be held out of these opportunities because he took $19,500 or because his family did without him knowing? He committed to Louisville. I, I can't imagine he thought he was a four-year player. I mean, he's a five-star recruit. He's right. No, no, no. But I was, right. I was saying, even if he's not good enough, right? Even if, even if he were to play at Louisville, go to the NBA Combine, and they're just like, dude, you're not yeah, good. You go, you go play in Europe, right? I mean, how many former SU guys have we seen go and make a lot of money? Yes, overseas. A lot of them. A lot of them have done that. Um, so yes, he could at least do that. And and so yes, I think the answer for him would be withdraw from the draft, roll the dice. I mean, you're not going to get picked anyway. Go back to school, hope that you can play and that you can improve your stock at school and then next year at the Combine. And then if they say no, you know, then you, I guess it would be up to you if you wanted to just drop out and not complete that year academically. And if you truly wanted to go make a living, then, you know, go play in Europe or, or potentially play in the G League. But we, we throw the word around ridiculous a lot, you know, like you just said, ridiculous, absurd. And, and we throw it around a lot, like when we're talking about sports, kind of like tongue in cheek or joking. This no, actually this is, is truly ridiculous. It is truly absurd what the NCAA is doing with this kid. And again, it, it was brought upon himself, but at some point, just make a decision it's and let abs- the kid move on it, with his life. It's not absurd in a good way, like what LeBron is doing, right? Like what LeBron is doing is absurd, and it's it's amazing. This is this is absurd in like the bad way. Yes. Like the way that the way that the word is supposed what, to be used. That's a great analysis, <laughs> Seth. What the NCAA doing is bad. The NCAA sticks. Yeah. Great analysis. Hashtag analysis. Yeah. It is bad. I'm I'm I'll sign up for that. What they're doing is bad. It's unfair. Whatever adjective you want to, to put on this, they gotta give this kid an answer. 315-437-7644. Gotta take a timeout back after this on ESPN radio.